Welcome to Mayak Innovatsi, the podcast of Unit City dedicated to innovation from Ukraine to the world. Today, the guest of the podcast is Andreas Flotstrom, who is uh, the co-founder of Beetroot and the Beetroot Academy. Um, so if you want to know why it's important uh, to be from Gothenburg, if you want to know how to build something impactful, if you want to understand what is sustainable IT, Um, if you want to know why Beetroot is a good name for an IT company, if you want to know actually what are the good ingredients for an IT Borsch, uh, and if you want to know what is the Beetroot Academy, well, stay with us. Guys, this is Mayak Innovati. Mayak Innovati. One, two, three, launch! And welcome again to Mayak Innovati. Uh, as always, I'm with uh, Tatiana Morozova Skyden, uh, with, uh, with me, radio and podcast producer, and uh, working on communication for Unit City. Um, Happy to be with you. Yes, again, and I'm Dominique Piotez, CEO of Unit City and the Sector X Acceleration Hub. And today we are um, going to talk about very interesting things um, from outsourcing to education actually, um, and a few other topics that will surprise us, depending on the flow of this conversation. Uh, we are with Andreas Flotström, who is the co-founder of Beetroot. Um, and Andreas has been in uh, Ukraine for quite uh, a while now. You created uh, Beetroot almost nine years ago, yeah. uh, right? So you're Swedish, you're from Stockholm. Actually from Gothenburg. Oh, okay. And, um, and that's important, you know. Okay. Oh, well, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I've been to Stockholm. That's 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 right now. That's all I know about yeah, Sweden, and I love it actually. So, there's a kind of a competition between the two cities. Well, uh, I guess only from the perspective uh, from the people from Gothenburg. I guess Stockholm don't really feel the competition, but but we feel it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like the people from Paris and Marseille. Uh, yeah, usually yeah, yeah. the people from Marseille feel the competition. The people from Paris are like, where is Marseille again? Yeah. You know, when we, when we moved here and I started, we started Beetroot, uh, I thought that since we were from Gothenburg, you know, most of our clients would be from there and so on. And then in the end, it of course, ended up mostly being Stockholm. Uh, and we have our office in Stockholm as well. So it's I a great city. And how many people from Sweden have you met here in Ukraine? For Ooh, all of this probably period? half of them, uh, which is not so many. Um, No, I think, uh, I believe that there are around 150 Swedes or something living in, in Ukraine, so that's not a lot. Um, mm -hmm. I wish it would be much more. Um, like, I don't know, 30, 50,000 Swedes in London, and I think that, you know, Ukraine is a place of maybe better opportunity in Estin. Yeah. My humble opinion. Well, let's discuss <laughs> this. So, but let's start from the beginning. Um, why? How, how did you end up like coming to Ukraine? So you're an entrepreneur. Um, I don't think Beetroot is completely your first company. I think you had a few tries before, right? Yeah, yeah, a few, you know, of these famous failures or, or semi-failures mm -hmm. before. Um, yeah, we were, I mean, I, I had been experimenting with a couple of startups back in Sweden, actually not in IT, in, in other fields. And my co-founder, Gustav, he had been in, in, in IT and, I mean, what, what happened was, I mean, in the times of studies and we were traveling around in Europe and I ended up um, spending a lot of time in Eastern Europe, uh, started to learn Russian uh, from the start um, and was very 
fascinated about this part of part of Europe and, and the world. Um, found Gustav, uh, co-founder. Uh, he was studying in Moscow at the time, and he was also an entrepreneur. And we were like, maybe we should just, you know, pack our bags and move somewhere to Eastern Europe and try to set up something. And and basically, I mean, the criteria we had was it should be something impactful. Uh-huh. Uh, it should be surrounding, uh, building something with with great uh, great people around us. Um, and only then we started to think about what exactly we would do, where we would do it. Um, and uh, this was actually at the time when I was still in studies. So, so Beetroot is my master thesis from Chalmers School of Entrepreneurship. Back wow. In <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, so actually the first year here was very much of a, a, an experiment and an adventure. You know, we came, we, dr- we drove a car. I had an old Lada, like a Soviet car. Uh, <gasps> oh, you were into it. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. you already had the Lada. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, the image we have of people from Sweden, they, they drive a Volvo. Yeah. Right. So you had, you, you were the guy with the Lada. Okay. Yeah. And, and actually, cool. I had a few Soviet cars. It's some kind of, uh, I don't know if you call it a fetish or. But I drove out to Kiev. We didn't actually know if we would stay there. Uh, we just had this very rough idea that we would. We have friends back in Sweden, they need uh, developers. Um, We started to travel around in Ukraine, Moldova, Russia, Belarus, uh, meeting meeting small IT companies, seeing who can deliver what, started to experiment with different uh, models of of, of delivery, sort of. Um, But it was, yeah, it was very experimental. uh, And quite quickly, to be honest, I mean, we made all of my master thesis was this sort of objective, academic studies of the different locations and the pros and cons and Ukraine scored uh, high uh, on, on that but I think in the end of the day I think the, also the subjective factors was uh, very strong uh, strongly affecting uh-huh. uh, the choice of, of Ukraine uh-huh. yeah. so, so so you said um, there was something special about the region there was something that was attracting you uh, nine years later do you know what it is what is special about, about Eastern Europe? Why, why, why not California? Because you know a lot of people in, in who want to work in IT, they say, there is something special about San Francisco. Like it's and, the only way. And, and Yeah. And, and then people in a second say, yeah, of course, it's Silicon Valley, dude. I mean, right? It's, it's always hard to answer this question. I tend to answer it in different ways every single time. Okay. Uh, but but I, I think it's something with the dynamics of things. Uh, I mean, I, I love uh, Sweden and, and, you know, still have, you know, my part of our base and connection there and, and, and so on but it's something with the dynamics of life and the sort of um, sort of you tend to wake up in the morning and you don't really have uh, sort of everything set out in a direction I mean Sweden is a very sort of well planned uh, mm-hmm. rules oriented yeah and I, I felt you know I, I always felt free here uh, I always felt uh, it's easy to connect uh, with, with people uh, on a sort of S- soulful level um, mm-hmm. I mean and I so suggest parties as well parties? yeah of course yeah of course I mean not so much the last year maybe but uh, I think um, <laughs> in the beginning I think it was tough it, it was a lot of human interaction it was a lot yeah we, it was a lot of parties I mean I used to live in Odessa for four years and, and <laughs> oh. now I understand you better <laughs> there you go now we're gonna understand everything so we find the roots of Beatrice <laughs> founder decisions <laughs> I have a bunch of very stupid questions. Um, okay, beetroot. Why beetroot? The name. So, when we came, we didn't have a 
name yet or we had some stupid name i wouldn't even tell it um and we started to meet with many different companies and most of the companies in the IT industry had names like something related to IT, technology, solutions, uh, software. And we didn't really have you know, a good CRM. And we just tended to mix up all these different companies uh, because we were meeting a lot of them. And like, which was the software technology one and which was mm -hmm. the technology mm -hmm. software one. And, and we just wanted to have something that is uh, alive, something you can build like a culture and, and uh, cool around. <laughs> um, and cute stuff. Yeah, so some you know cultural features around uh -huh. the thing, and of course, of course, beetroot has a strong connection to Ukraine. Of course, the, you know uh -huh. all the symbolics of we are you know, cooking a good borscht together, and every person is an ingredient. You need a little bit of uh, uh -huh. yeah different ingredients to cook okay, a good borscht. Cool. Um, Very um, cool. So essentially, I mean, we are a company that. Well, we deliver software solutions for clients. We educate people. We, we have a small hub in, in Mariupol. Um, but really what we try to do is to, to create an ecosystem that builds impact. I've so read description, sorry. I read description yes. that uh, Bitroot is uh, sustainable soft development. Yeah. So yeah. that's the pitch yeah, for well, the moment. But what does, what does it mean actually to be a, a sustainable, sustainable software development company? Yeah, that's what we always argue about in uh -huh. I mean, because sure. we, <laughs> we have this, you know, we have this big impact uh, mission. So mm -hmm. we, but of course, impact can be on many different levels. And what I mean, one, f one way to put it could be that uh, to be sustainable today or be build sustainable today is a way to be able to create impact in the future. Okay. Um, but of course, the sustainable aspect has, it has social aspects, it has economic aspects, it has environmental aspects usually. And, and uh, now we are like more and more, we always had this goal, but it lately is becoming more and more sort of structurized and sort of this is our, our impact areas, this is the impact we work on our client side. We try to focus on, for example, green tech, health tech, med tech. So that's in what we uh -huh. deliver together with, with the clients. So one of our things is we, we want to grow IT in the region. So we have around 60% of our team members are actually outside of the main uh, IT hubs. Uh -huh. uh, we're trying to you know, move uh, diversity. You know, we have 40% uh, women in, in, in Beatrice. 40%? 40%, yeah. And this is something you are actively uh, working on to get more diversity in the company? You know, I, I mean, we do actively work and the communication side and, and sort of building away prejudices and so on, which still exist. I mean, they're getting less and less of them and, 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 and so on, but so it's, it's the external uh, work on, on mm -hmm. that. And I mean, to be honest, internally, I mean, we just we just pick the most competent people for the role and it happens that that very often is uh, is women. Um, so, um, but again, I mean, 40% is not a number we are actually happy with because it should be, at, I mean, I think we want to be a balanced, uh, balanced mm -hmm. company of 50, 50. I think that actually Ukrainian IT We'll get there eventually. I mean, if you look at the trend now, when we yeah. came here, eight percent uh, of the tech industry was women. Now it's around twenty-five, I think. So, mm -hmm. give it ten, fifteen years. Yeah, we're we're super active at Unit City actually to 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 promote that. Mm -hmm. We partners with WeTech. Uh, we nice. we have a, a few events uh, like one called We Manager mm -hmm. uh, that we love. Uh, twenty-five percent of our students at um, Ucode, our coding school, are uh, women. So and it and and actually we started at eight uh, percent a few years ago. I, I have a question about the cross-border 
uh, type of company. So uh, obviously you're from Sweden. You have an office in uh, in uh, in Stockholm, and and I guess a lot of our of your clients are also Swedish company. Um, we see that also in your current with Israel, more than fifteen thousand developers uh, working in Ukraine are working for an Israeli company. Yeah. Is this is this a model like, for example, should we start a Ukraine French uh, or Ukraine Paris uh, software development company? Or uh, do you think it's a good model or, or, or are you looking at the world as you playground? You know, I think it's changing uh, a bit. I mean, of course, we have Sweden as a very strong home market where we have presence there with people on the ground, uh, built network of clients. And I actually wouldn't even maybe look so much at uh, the countries, but almost like uh, cities in, in a sense. So, I mean, we have, so I would say that our clusters is Stockholm by far the leading, then Sweden, then you have Tel Aviv is actually our second biggest hub. Uh, we have growing in uh, New York, in mm -hmm. Amsterdam and Berlin. So we actually, we have clients in 25 different countries, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, there is still a sort of a geographical factor of building this sort of uh, clusters where one client start to recommend your services for another one and, and, and so on and so forth. But, uh, but again, it, it's changing because we do get more and more clients and requests inbound through places we wouldn't have, you know, maybe looked actively on. Mm -hmm. and, and that's also pretty cool um, and it's essential for me to to ask you about trends how do you feel them uh, in what Bitrut is doing now and in general in IT industry so a lot of I mean you can one f way to look at it is maybe what's happening at the moment and I think it's kind of it's kind of obvious but maybe it's still needed to be said I think that for the last year I think we have seen maybe like five six years of uh, development in terms of digitalization and, and the sort of the way the market act uh, so that's that's of course one trend which has you know massively boosted uh, the Ukrainian tech. Uh, I think there are a lot of challenges with this, uh, of course, uh, for everyone. I mean, all fast changes comes with challenges, but it's also an amazing amount of opportunity. I think there is actually has opportunities for equality in a way because it's like you, everyone is becoming part of a global uh, work market. Also yeah. for I mean, startup for capital, it's easier to to look for funding in in different places and. Um, so these are some of the trends. I think in 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 Beetroot uh, we have again. I mean, it's sort of staying true to the core while growing actively an organization. We basically have a lot of new people uh, coming in. Um, uh -huh. Yeah, now it might lead us into another topic, but uh, of course there are a lot of interesting things in in education um, uh -huh. happening, uh, and and I mean what this world is uh, with, with the transformation of the world, what it basically means is that there is a need for uh, lifelong learning, constant upskilling, constant of reshaping, and, and which is, again, it's a great opportunity, and it's, but it's also a, a, a challenge because it's, it's important to, you know, not get uh, too many people like left, uh, left mm -hmm. behind in, in this, uh, this development. So I think well, that's... Well, well, 
in terms of uh, of manager or great leader uh, in in your sphere or in what you're trying to achieve, who, who inspires you? Um, and I'm going to give you a few examples because I'm I'm very very uh, passionate about that topic about self organization mm -hmm. and 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 I've experimented myself. Uh, a lot of this is my own company, uh, but also when I was in Las Vegas working for uh, Zappos. Mm. Uh, oh, Zappos yeah, yeah Tunisia mm. uh, was actually mm -hmm, unfortunately mm -hmm. a very close friends, mm. uh, and uh, and and we worked together uh, with Frédéric Lalou and 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 all those that trends. Uh, but then I watched also very closely Reed Hastings and what he's trying to do with Netflix and the the no rules rules and 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 all that things. But what inspires you? Well, I I mean I don't have like you know one company idol is mm -hmm. like, uh, mm -hmm. but I I do. I mean, try to learn from. Uh, actually, you actually mentioned a few. I mean, uh, reading a lot about Netflix, Apple's, uh -huh. uh, uh Actually, Spotify. If to take a, a yes. cool Swedish uh, example, which is, which is a great Swedish company. It is, and I mean, even I mean, it's also co-founded by uh, a guy in our university who used to come and do lectures when they were still a uh, early stage uh, uh -huh. startup. Uh, I, I visited them in Stockholm at the yeah, very yeah. beginning. They had such a cool office. It yeah, was really yeah. cool. Mm -hmm. still, uh, and, and nowadays, I mean, they have the cool office and they have this, you know, work whatever you want kind of culture uh -huh. and, and so on. I mean, I, I think it's inspiring to look at, uh, I, I try to follow you know, the, the kind of companies that have this kind of base philosophy of, of uh, but not also to stare blind with because it's obviously you know different ways of running an organization obviously works as well but, but i think that it's also it's not only about like uh, what works and what doesn't it's also what's close to yourself and f for me it's always been felt natural to uh yeah bring on board people who are smarter than myself or who are mm -hmm. better in, in an area and then just and regarding Beetroot IT Academy, so yeah. coming back to education. Yes, so let's move to education. Did, how did this crisis affect this department, this uh, side of your business? So I, I, you told me before we start recording, but it changed a bit of model of business. Mm -hmm. So it changed. It's massively. So, so, so we were basically, just before COVID, we were on the path of opening our 20th physical academy in Ukraine. We were on 18 or 19 at, at the time. Um, so we had, I mean, we had the model of blended learning. So it was partly online, partly offline. And we had this, uh, you know, centers in basically almost all mid-sized cities in Ukraine had this, this beetroot academies. So and we beautiful offices, equipment. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe they were not all beautiful, but there was at least, <laughs> you know, a local presence and a community and so on. And this, of course, uh, was very dramatic. It was much more dramatic for Beatrice Academy than for Beatrice. Beatrice just went home and continued coding, and Beatrice yeah. Academy was like, "Well, our students, like, what should we do?" With it? So we basically, in three weeks, we switched all the education to online. Experienced some challenges with it, but um, and I was maybe you know one of the conservative ones in our team who was saying like, "Well, it's so important to have you know the offline human element and so on." So we did actually. So we switched all online. Then in the autumn we said, okay, well, let's launch again online and offline. Let's measure it. Like we we had, you know, thousand students in that time, five of them, five hundred online, five hundred offline. We were measuring the results. You know, what, how happy the students were, how happy the, the teachers are. So basically, data based, and concluded that uh, our educations are 
not worse online. Actually, they're maybe even slightly better. It's huh. e easier to you know form groups over many locations. You and how can you explain this? So without I this human interaction, without these activities in the class, without humor, yeah. without punching each other. I'm. I mean, in a way, I mean, the data shows that it's, it's better. I'm still surprised, uh, and I'm, I'm maybe I'm still you know somehow conservative, but it. It shows that it is, but I think that the challenging part that and we are also working on now, we will work hard on, you know, when we sort of can after the pandemic and so on. But the challenge, the, 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 I think still the human element in sort of community building is, is important. So what happened is, that, yeah, we closed the offices, but we actually have the team members and the graduates in these different locations. So, and so, so what we, we will be doing is continue doing offline gatherings, but then the actual teaching uh, will continue happening uh, online, uh, basically. But but it's online active learning. So it's with the group, with the mentor, and so on. And it's still a flipped class classroom model where you sort of you watch videos, you you sort of yeah prepare for your lessons, and then you go to the lessons and you you sort of work with your projects actively. And, and so, but then at the same time, it opened a completely new opportunity because suddenly. We, it's so much easier to grow and we have now grown, we have grown to Kosovo, to Sweden. Uh, so mm -hmm. we actually, we even, we, at the moment we teach, Peter Academy teaches students in Sweden from Ukraine. I mean, the, the teachers wow. are from Ukraine That's and cool. students get employed in, in Sweden. It's Sweden. Wow. And it's like, and we are only in the beginning of that journey. And I, I think we have this, you know, big ambitious goals uh, of, of we, we, we think that we have a model that can be used and scaled I mean, basically all over the world. Um, I think we will focus on sort of emerging, uh, emerging markets, so it's on those who has some kind of IT industry going and so on. But, but the cool thing is that we can really, you know, we can center product development and and even your know, teaching. It can be from you can teach from anywhere, but you have a good base from here in Ukraine. But we can work with um, students all over the place, and we haven't really. We are just in the starting of sort of testing out different markets. Now, but what we already see is that we already have students dropping in from different, even though we didn't do any specific marketing. It's mostly Ukrainians uh, abroad <laughs> still, but uh, yeah, so that's, that's a really, I mean, it basically changed the sort of the factor of how much impact and how much we can grow the, the Beater Academy over a 10 year period, maybe. I don't know, maybe fivefold and maybe 10. ten uh, from what age do you teach? Uh, at the moment, it's uh, all focused on uh, grown up. So, okay, basically, I mean, all of our course, courses at the moment have the goal of uh, getting a job or upskilling yourself for a job in, in, in IT. So it's 16, 17 years old uh -huh. and, and upward. But we have people until um, 60 years old, actually, who like... Uh, 60? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's well, super cool. I think the average is actually 30 to 35. Um, the 60 has been someone who has been slightly, you know, in, you know, has been in, in engineering at least and so mm -hmm. on. But, uh, and again, I, I mean, uh, we have 60% of our students not in the main IT location. So we have, we have, now we have students in all oblasts in Ukraine, except from Crimea. Um, and we, uh, we have 44% women at the moment. And it's something that, it's also like something, I mean, you can, so in a way, we lost sort of the local presence in these mid-sized cities. But on the other hand, we just opened up for anyone with an internet connection and, and a high level of motivation to get a new uh, profession. Um, um, I want to come back to your motivation or your inspiration or, or 
maybe your vocation actually. Um, you started the Beetroot Academy, what, almost six years ago, mm -hmm. maybe seven. So n not that long after you started Beetroot. So you started Beetroot and fairly soon after you're like, oh, we need, we need, we also need to have the Beetroot Academy, which is interesting because you also kept the brand. Beetroot. Yeah. Um, so why did you decide to keep the brand and not go for something completely different, completely separate? And why did you feel the need to do this, of course, very high social impact uh, uh, type of activity? Yeah, I, I will answer the second question first. So um, what happened was, I mean, again, we had this social vision from the beginning, but really like the first year or two, what you do is just, you know, try to get something going and it, it's working and so on. What really triggered it was, uh, it was Maidan and then, you know, the mm -hmm. start of the war and so on. I think that we would have eventually come to starting something anyway, but this triggered it to be in 2014, we were like, okay, we are here in Ukraine, we are in Odessa, we have you know, evacuation plans in terms things would, would turn bad. And we just get this really like strong attachment to, to Ukraine and feeling that we have, we have a role here, or we, have, we could have a role to play mm -hmm. in, in building this competence. And we did that actually together with, with support from the Swedish embassy from the beginning, with the beginning like programs with United Nations for internally displaced people. And it was all very like, um, and then over time, and we realized that uh, it probably the most efficient way to scale it is to scale it as a social enterprise. So, so not like a classical NGO and maybe not like a, a you know, classical Mm -hmm. um, company, company, but but as a social enterprise who uh, creates a financial uh, base for for being long term sort of self uh, sufficient and, and so on. Um, but yeah, I mean we were only fifteen people in Beetroot when we started the academy, so mm -hmm. of course that was very early. But I think also it it's I think it has helped us to to grow. I, I know it's helped us to grow um, because uh, we. I mean, the learning we got ourselves from teaching, uh, you know, the whole process of starting early on to bring in students. And I mean, we, we teach for the whole market. So it's it's not, it's only a few percentage of the Beatrice Academy students that goes to Beatrice because Beatrice is not sort of big enough to absorb it. Mm -hmm. so they, they go to 200 different companies in, in, in Ukraine. Um, yeah, and I mean... And I think, why did we keep the brand? It was also a big discussion. It's still sometimes is a discussion. Uh, mm -hmm. But but I think that the core of it is because we are part of the same ecosystem. Um, we do, of course, get, I mean, you get, we get more well-known as a company than our size. I mean, we are a mid-sized company in the big Ukrainian mm -hmm. IT industry. But I think that our sort of brand awareness is, is higher. You get this connection to students. Um, and again, I mean, we, we might, you know, we absorb some students in the beginning, but then you have this connection to, to the markets. We, it's, I mean, we actually educated around close to one and a half percent of the whole IT industry went through Freebeater Academy at some point in, in their um, careers. That's a huge, um, huge base. And of course, it, it's, it's good for us that, you know, we have some kind of connection and internally that we are all part of the... It's two different, two separate organizations. Like all the people who work in the two different organizations work in just one of them, except for myself. Um, <laughs> but I'm already not the CEO of, of Beatrice Academy, so I also handed that over in the middle of this uh, chaotic <laughs> uh, COVID uh, start mm -hmm. uh, last year. But it's been, uh, yeah, it's been interesting. Um, 
Have you ever hired someone from graduates of Beetroot IT Academy to your own company? Oh yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. We have, I don't know the exact number now, but I think of our 500 people, roughly around 10%, I think it's, it's hmm. 50 people from... from and, and, and do you sometimes send your people to the Beetroot Academy say, no, you have to go back to the Beetroot <laughs> Academy yeah, and yeah. then you will learn come back. Better. Yes, learn more. No, but it's, it's actually great. Uh, we, we do have a benefit. So we finance... Um, If, if you're work, everyone who works in Beetroot uh, get a huge subsidized, it's around 80% subsidized if you go to a Beetroot Academy course. So many people do that, especially now when we have more like upskilling course and, and, and so mm -hmm. on. And it's also cool, like if we, have, if we have some roles for more like sort of entry level jobs, mm -hmm. uh, which doesn't require like a huge experience and skill set, but then you can, you can take the job, you have this great environment, and at the same time you can study at the Academy. So that happens especially a lot mm. in... Actually, it happens especially in the mid-sized cities. I mean, Poltava is our biggest uh, office. There we have a lot of... Uh, and it was the first location of the academy as well. So that also sort of shows how it interacts. And is also the op opportunity of um, of uh, teaching. I mean, that's, I mean uh, if you're an experienced person and, and you want to share things, it's a great opportunity to sort of... You work with Beetroot and you teach in the academy. But again, I mean, the teaching is... You know, we have teachers from, from many, many different companies and... and um, Yeah. How how do you scale that type of uh, initiative? And I'm, I'm for for example, I mean, I'm pretty familiar, of course, of the coding school. We also have one. Uh, we have more than one, actually. We have two cities, mm -hmm. uh, soon three cities. Um, so I mean, Kiev, Kharkiv, Lviv. Um, but I'm very familiar. I saw a, a really cool school in 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 San Francisco called Holberton School. Okay. Um, and and they're good friends. Um, I almost invested in them. Now it's too late. They're too expensive. <laughs> uh, they just raised 30 million. Mm -hmm. uh, they're opening new countries. They just opened Madagascar. Mm. Um, but but it's. Uh, I mean, the way they view it is, of course, they have a social vision, kind of, but it's a business, really. Mm -hmm. um, but how do you scale that type of project? And um, and. And it's interesting scaling it actually from Ukraine. I mean, is it does mm -hmm. it does it add something that it's scaling from Ukraine, or basically you could scale it from anywhere? It doesn't matter. It's it's just IT, right? Well, and I, I think that we, I mean, we will scale it w from Ukraine. But I think I mean, eventually, when we grow to more locations, of course, it will be more and more also sort of a global. I, I assume you know we will have students in different time zones, and we will have teachers in different time zones. Maybe you know some will teach in Spanish for Spanish-speaking mm -hmm. students. So there are a lot. Of, I mean, but again, like the, the online factor makes it. Uh, when we had the vision of scaling. So before the pandemic, this, the vision was of scaling offline, but then we had the idea of doing it mainly as franchise because we realized that we couldn't have, you know, the logistical resources to sort of open locations everywhere. So then you could sell it as a franchise concept. I think now it's more of, you know, we, we can do this uh, mm -hmm. more uh, by ourselves. But, but uh, I think that we have a sweet spot. So if, if you have a, like a couple of base criteria, so Ukraine is a dynamic growing IT market with, with strong competence. It's still not, you know, expensive as uh, the US or Western mm -hmm. Europe and so on. And we produce a product. I mean, there are many different bootcamp products. And of course, we haven't like tested all of them. But from what we can see, like, what we provide in Ukraine for like $500 per student is approximately correspondent, uh, maybe even better than, than, than some of the courses that cost, you know, $7,000 to $15,000 in the US. And then I'm thinking, okay, if our, we are a social impact oriented company and we want to scale in emerging market because that's where we can give 
the best impact and build a business uh, around it. And I'm thinking like, how will these American companies who are used to charging seven to fifteen thousand dollars per course, how will they be able to compete with us in Africa? Like that. That's. Um, but again, it's up to up to proof. But that this. Yeah, are, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think Ukraine is a great place to scale. Um, scale product companies uh, from and, and 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 also in i think education uh, and you can see that i mean there are other good examples of educational uh, startups in 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 ukraine um, yeah actually yeah. it's um, uh, yeah um, it's booming i mean it's probably and and, and uh, probably of course yeah, yeah. it's a good example yeah. and you yeah. could made a can yeah. i mean there are many yeah, uh, yeah. futurologists say that coding will be um, needed skill the same essential and needed like knowing English. Do you agree with this? Do you feel that you're teaching coding and it will be like uh, a norm of everyone's life in the nearest future? And actually everybody should yeah. know code? Do you code? I don't code. Um, I don't code. I yeah. don't code. So, so, okay. <laughs> so what are we talking <laughs> about? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should work somewhere else. <laughs> oh, well, oops. <laughs> <laughs> Delete. Yes. No, um, no. Well, I do have an engineering exam, but I, I was never patient enough to, to uh -huh. uh, fix bugs and, and, uh -huh. and stuff. Um, no, I think that it's, 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 it's incredibly important to upskill yourself and to understand what's going on in, in the world. I don't... I don't think that necessarily everyone in the, the you know the IT industry needs to know how to code, but there, I mean there are many many different professions, um, and I think that more or less I mean everyone who wants to have a good competitive role in a competitive world in the future needs to understand what's happening in in the field of tech. Um, I think that more I mean more people are have the potential of being good coders uh, than maybe they think themselves and we've seen that you know in the academy again and again and again you know i have this humanitarian education maybe i can do it and so on really i mean it's more up to i mean you can have you know different how easy it is for you to learn but pretty much pretty much anyone can learn how to code if you have the motivation and you, mm. you find it interesting but I'm did coding become easier in time i mean in these 10 years yeah i mean i think I think it's in terms more of and more tools yeah, and yeah, approaches. Of course, I mean, it's more accessible, yeah. more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you don't. Uh, it gives me hope. I mean, again, and now so I'm probably <laughs> one day I can, <laughs> I can study. And when you turn 60, it's okay. Oh, oh yeah, 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 like I will be <laughs> your. Now I will anti-seller academy, but I mean, you don't need an academy to learn to, uh, to code. Yeah. Uh, you just free need, sources. But what it might help you with is that I mean, if you, if you look at, for example, the main platforms who are providing sort of passive learning online where you mm -hmm. just sort of access material they have i think a competition rate i believe around like 10 percent of, of the students uh, in the academy when you have the group the community the teacher the mentor and so on even though i mean the the access of this knowledge is available anywhere but still there you have 10 percent in Bitter academy you have 90 percent competition rates mm -hmm. okay? so so it's it's sort of yeah uh, and and i mean the same thing as saying if you would say that you don't need um if you don't need schools or whatever to to learn to last little set of questions um i would like to talk to talk about the 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 tech ecosystem of ukraine because you 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 so uh with your nine years of experience this tech ecosystem uh, uh booming and blooming 
um, I'm sure when you when you started uh, having a tech startup was probably not that cool or not even that possible uh, with the lack of financing or uh, how d how did you see uh, how do you see the ecosystem evolving and 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 um, what do you think of this ecosystem actually? Well, I think it's. Uh, if you think back again, like 2012, I mean, of course, it wasn't a new ecosystem. Then there was things going on, and I, I mean, the industry has um, grown amazingly. Um, mm. And again, it's still. It's. I mean, at that time, it was basically few startups here and there, almost like no hubs, co-workings, and, and so on. I think just the first one was starting to to open. Uh, so it was, I mean, it was mainly the outsourcing industry, uh, which has obviously grown and I, I think obviously will also continue to grow and be an important factor for uh, product uh, companies and so on. But it's, it's really cool to see that you have already, I mean, some amazing success uh, mm -hmm. cases and I, I assume there will be much, much more in the next five years. And I think the most, maybe the most inspiring thing for me is that I see the difference in Mm, let's, okay, let's call it skill set maybe, but because uh, I think there was when I moved in 2012, there was uh, already like a good technical skill set available and so on. Uh, but the business skill set or the entrepreneurial skill set has grown amazingly fast. And so if you, if you talk to you know Ukrainian tech entrepreneurs in 2021 and compare it to 2012, it's like two completely different worlds mm -hmm. uh, and that is really really cool and mm -hmm. yeah I think it will I think it will continue to grow I don't I mean it will obviously continue to grow um, what are the biggest challenges you know um, I don't think it's capital mm -hmm. um, that, that's also a challenge but I, I think I think that capital is available in, in mm -hmm. the I mean capital is available if, if you have if you're able to package things and so on I think it's competence mm -hmm. and that's not only for the startup industry but I mean for the tech as, as a whole um, I see that I mean we have been investing in this for years and, and since we were 15 people in the team and and as being a like a frustration I've, I think there's still a little bit of like mm, there's still fewer companies than it should be and I'm talking mainly maybe in the outsourcing industry that that who are still in the i would call it like trading of talent rather than the development of, mm -hmm. of talent business i think it's changing now i think now the the, the level of desperation to find the right competence <laughs> is, is, is growing and it, it i can see it in the mentality in companies we have more and more companies who contact for example the academy and you know can we teach in this can you teach in that and so on um but i think that's it's important to to do that i think it's also in terms of the outsourcing industry um again i think it will continue growing i don't see any reason why it would not mm -hmm. and i don't again i i see the benefits of uh, of it also for the tech startup I, that's a little bit of a sometimes strange uh, discussion uh, in in ukraine uh, so should we do this or that of course you should do both um <laughs> but um but i think that in that and i think you will see a we already see a sort of a consolidation, so it will grow, but I think you will see more and more big companies. And unfortunately, I think you will see a little bit less uh, smaller ones or mm -hmm. big, either small companies dying or joining bigger ones and so on. So you will see 
sort of natural consolidation. No, but that's right? part of the deal. It it's is, yeah. And, and 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 I think that the the whole like the Dia City mm-hmm. implementation might escalate that process a little bit more because it adds some level of of uh, burden for. I mean, it's it's. I mean, I'm actually not uh, sort of one of those who are like for keeping the current uh, individual entrepreneur system as as it, as it is but i can also see that it has had ama- amazing benefits in terms of, of how course. easy it is to run a company you don't even need to know bookkeeping or mm. specific rules of running a company to start something mm. and that will change a little bit i think and that might um, might have some impact on that as well. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> well, we'll see, we'll see. And that is the end uh, of this podcast. Uh, thank you so much uh, for uh, being with us, Andreas. Uh, we have a tradition at the end of this show. Uh, we always ask our guests, Tatiana. Actually, I have an idea regarding this tradition. Oh my so God. So we're always asking our guests to pick up one song which is inspiring, Oops. or maybe your personal <laughs> anthem. But may, let's make it easier today. So we were mentioning Sweden company, Swedish company Spotify already. So could you please, if it's uh, possible right now, open your Spotify. Danger, danger. It's up to you. Uh-huh. Uh, the last song you've added to your oh. playlist or maybe the one of the favorites from your liked uh, oh, playlist yeah, yeah. danger danger so yeah I actually I listen to a lot of different music in different li- like all this like from blues jazz to some mm-hmm. kind of uh, crazy party music and, mm-hmm. and so on um, I think one of the w- when I was preparing a little bit for this podcast and, and I sometimes use uh, so it's kind of a strange focus music most people would not be focused by this music but but uh, it's called Slagsmål's uh, Klubben it's a Swedish band it's uh, basically means fight club in Swedish okay and uh, <laughs> the uh, the song is called Brutal Weapons Oh <laughs> well, I hope this is not uh, this is not what you felt about <laughs> listening to this podcast <laughs> Brutal Weapons wow Well, that was Maya Kinovati with Andreas Frostrom from uh, co-founder uh, and CEO of uh, Beetroot and the Beetroot Academy. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's Thank pleasure. you. Diakuyu, <laughs> guys, and Tsiluyu. Oi, oi, oi. Bye, guys.